You're listening to the Southeast Asia Business Podcast with me, Dana Bluen. Oh yeah, flip the, flip the airplane mode. Uh, if you can't reach me, I apologize. I didn't ignore you, I was in the sky. In disguise, man, you know I got a big surprise. Ask me why, cause I'm trying to build an enterprise. Airplane mode on the go. What's going on, everyone? Dana Blue in Southeast Asia Business Podcast here on EFM, the one and only podcast network for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. With me today, we're talking to Ophelia Domingo. She's the founder and managing director of Ophelia Hearing Specialists here in Kota Kinabalu. Uh, she is an audiologist, air specialist, and she was telling me right before the show, not a doctor. She made sure I knew that. Yeah. So, Ophelia, thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. So you run an air clinic uh, or a hearing clinic here, hearing clinic, yep. here on KK. And we were talking beforehand. You told me, you know, now it's called Ophelia Hearing Specialist, but your father actually started the same business back in the 90s. Correct. That's and, right. And he was at the time, he was the only one, right? He was the only one. That's right. And how many now? Uh, I'm still the only audiology clinic oh, in really? Kota Kinabalu, in Sabah, in fact. So, so you have a monopoly on the market. I do, and a couple of hearing aid clinics around, but they're called hearing aid centers because they're okay. not uh, managed by audiologists. So they're just selling uh, hearing aids. They're hearing aid dispensers. Okay. Yeah. So, so tell me, what's the difference between uh, a hearing aid center and an, or, an audio clinic or hearing specialist? A hearing specialist clinic would mean that I do diagnostics. I'm okay. qualified to diagnose hearing loss, to tell the degree and type of hearing loss. Mm. And I work very closely with the ear, nose and throat specialist, the ENT. Okay. And as for hearing aid dispensers, they basically just, somebody comes in and they would program the hearing aid put them a hearing aid, and then off they go. So they they are not qualified to do any diagnosis. All right, so what, what does the diagnosis side look like? Do you have a lot of equipment you have to use, or is it more like uh, based on your skills to, to go in and kind of judge? We have a machine, so we rely a lot on electricity. So if there's no electricity, <laughs> we can't work. Okay. So you come into a very quiet room, like a recording studio. Mm. And then you will be presented with a couple of beeps. It's a pure tone. So usually it's around six types mm. of pitches that you hear. And what we do is we take the threshold so that the tiniest sound that you could hear, if it falls in the category of normal, that's when you have a normal hearing. If it falls underneath the line of normal, so it means that you've got a hearing loss. So the hearing loss comes with degree. So mm. it's mild, moderate, severe, or profound hearing loss. Okay. And so now you're, you're able to run your business through... The, the testing side of it, is that something that, say, insurance pays for or medical care pays for here in Malaysia or are people paying for that kind of out-of-pocket? They have to pay it out of their pocket, but unless they go to the hearing specialist at the hospital, at the government mm. hospital, the government actually has under the uh, JPA funding or a couple of bodies under the government actually yep. pays for the hearing aids. Mm. Yeah. But also oh, they'll pay for the hearing aids, but they have to get them from the hospital. 
Right, that's right. So if they come to me, then I would have to refer them to the government hospital for mm. the documentations to be done by the hospital. Oh, oh, so the hospital can do the documentation. You can still supply the... Yes, I can. Okay, yeah. so, so that's what I do. And when the patient goes to the government hospital, they get it diagnosed and all that because... Uh, the hospital does not provide hearing aids, okay. so they, they would still have to come to me for okay. the hearing aids, and I will supply the hearing aids to the government hospital. So you don't do the testing for the government hospital, I, though? It depends. It if depends. they've got very long queues, I could actually jump in and say, I'll take your cases, okay. and then I will do it, supply the hearing aids, and then funding will come still come from the government. Okay, so now if you take, let's say from a business perspective, right, you have a rate that you charge for, for testing. Right, that's and right. Do you set that or is that set by the government? I set it. Okay, um, and so if it's a private customer, they pay whatever the rate you set is. Now, if it's someone that came from the government hospital, do you have mm -hmm. to take a lower rate because they'll only pay like a certain amount or will the government pay you whatever you, whatever there you is charge? A, there is a slightly lower rate for government Okay. Um, because the government has uh, a set, the, okay. the budget, for example, like 7,000 ringgit is the set. Mm -hmm. And for private patients, when they come in, it's a little bit expensive, a little okay. bit more expensive. Okay. Yeah. But the, the, the benefit there is that they don't have to wait in the long queues yes. and get approval by the government. Correct. And they can right. just come in and take care of it. Yes, that's right. Excellent. So you took this over in 2010. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and December. So what have been some of the challenges you've seen as a as a new businesswoman? So I know your dad ran it before, so you were probably involved a little bit. Yeah. But once you kind of took over full steam, mm. it was on you. Yeah. So when I when I came in, came three more other hearing aid centers. Oh, okay. So so you opened up. You, maybe your dad saw what was about to happen. He was like, I'll let a failure take this. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I guess uh, because this industry is so small, so what you do in KKK, the KL people would know and we mm. would know this competitor sells hearing aids with iPad. Okay. So we would know. It's such a small industry. So when mm. I came in and took over, three more other hearing aid centers came out and mm. my challenge was to make sure we, we stay on top mm -hmm. and we, we continue to monopolize the market. Yeah. yeah. So you had to, right away, you have three competitors pop up that you never had before. Yeah. So did you see that uh, take a hit in your business? Like some people were going other places or they were fulfilling some of the orders that you weren't? It's normal for people to check out other places, yeah. but in the end, we still have people coming back to us because they say, because uh, you can explain things better. Mm. When we go to other places, they just give us hearing aids and they, they don't explain okay. as well as you. So I know that's my advantage being an audiologist mm. compared to other places. It gives you a higher level of customer service kind of right off the bat. Right, right. Now, with that, you know, being that it is kind of a retail a retail business as well, you have to keep a lot of stock, right? It's an expensive business to run or or no? It is an expensive business to run. Just the equipment costs thirty thousand and just the room yeah. that soundproof room is sixty thousand. And that was ten years ago. So mm. just as two equipments would cost a lot of money, yeah. So it's we need a big capital mm. to start this business. Yeah, so it's not something that you can just kind of get into willy-nilly, right? You have no. to actually have the cash to put up. And you hold a lot of inventory? 
I do, and not for the expensive ones because mm. I've worked a deal with the supplier, so they they give me demo units. Okay. So I I would test it on patients, and if they like it, I will yeah. order. I'll place an order, because the stocks come from KL, so we just need to take three to five working days. Oh. And for the cheaper hearing aids, I keep stock, so they would just come in yeah. if they like it, they just buy it and walk away th- with the with the hearing aids. Now I, I don't know a lot about hearing aids. I'm sure a lot of the listeners don't. So tell me, like, what are some of the differences between, like, say, the cheaper hearing aids, the ones you keep in stock, and the higher end unit? Okay, the hearing aids range from as little as 2,000 ringgit to 14,000 ringgit each. Okay. And the microphone that I'm using for this podcast mm. is considered a good one, right? Yeah. Because listeners I are hope. able <laughs> listeners are able to hear us clear. I yeah. hope. So this is considered a good hearing aid, yeah. sort of a good hearing aid because there's no background noise. Mm. So, so if even someone is shouting outside this place, uh, this microphone is not picking it up. Mm. So you've got your audio dude who would be yeah. um, doing all the fine-tuning and cutting off all this unnecessary background noise, right? Yeah, yep. That's an expensive hearing aid. A cheap hearing aid would pick up everything, including the birds chirping, the traffic, okay. a child crying and things like that. And... Especially in a noisy environment, that's the challenge. That's where the challenge is. If we, if we were to use a hearing aid in a quiet environment, a cheap hearing aid or an expensive hearing aid will not tell much difference. Mm. The challenge would be with the presence of background noise. Then that's when the filtering comes in, the directionality of the microphone comes in. Okay, so yeah. it's very com- is it, in keep in mind these are small pieces, so there's quite a bit of complex electronics going on there. Yes, that's right. Very tiny because those people who repair hearing aids, they would have to use like a like a microscope or something like that to just look at corrosion and look at all those. You can't repair a hearing aid chip with with your bare eyes without yeah. any gadget. You need, you need magnification, yeah. you need some special tools. Yeah. So is is a hearing aid simply amplifying the outside world or is it doing more? It's doing more now. Okay. Um, it does, yeah. That's the main purpose of a hearing aid, to amplify. But it just doesn't amplify everything across the frequency. Mm-hmm. It is um, because a person sometimes have uh, high-frequency hearing loss. So the hearing aid is programmed to make sure that only the the areas which has a hearing loss that is being amplified. So it doesn't just amplify everything. It's not amplifying everything. It it can target on a specific frequency. Right, right. And and so that gives them, I I would imagine that, that gives a much more comfortable experience for the the listener, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. And so with that, you know, is it difficult sometimes to get the customers to understand the benefits of the more expensive models? Do they just come in and say, like, oh, I just want, like, a 2,000 ringgit hearing aid. I don't need 14,000 ringgit Cadillac of, you know, hearing aid. Mm. So it's sometimes, you know, you can talk and talk for two hours about the differences of hearing aids. Yeah. And you could just set a demo unit. Yeah. Let them put on an expensive one, ask them to go around, walk around, have lunch with it and come back. And then let them wear the cheaper hearing aid and see the difference. So usually people would feel the difference and they would make a decision based on that. Is that noticeable, the difference between a cheap one and an expensive one? 
yeah, it is noticeable because what I hear from the um, the feedback from most of the customers, the cheaper one sounds very raw, very rough. Okay. You hear all those other background noises. Uh, the more expensive one would feel like you know I'm not wearing anything. I yeah. don't I don't feel any difference. Yeah. But you notice it because you're speaking to them yeah. uh, at a lower N tone, normally, and you don't have yeah. to repeat. So you get one of those really expensive ones that makes everyone kind of sound like Morgan Freeman. It's, no, I'm not really. It's <laughs> <laughs> just making people hear clearer. clearer that's yeah. all. Yeah. Now, with with that, so you, you go through all the anal analysis and you know, analytics of looking and testing and and helping fit people. What are some of the other things that you do as an audiologist? I also do. Um, rehab, okay. hearing rehab. There are people who come in with buzzing and ringing in the ears mm -hmm. and they go, oh, this is driving me crazy. But when you check the hearing, they've got a normal hearing. Mm. So what's bugging them is the ringing and buzzing in the ears. So I come in to do counseling and to, you know, identify what's the source of problem and things like that. So, so what causes that? Can you actually fix that? Like the buzzing and, and ringing in someone's ears, can that be corrected? It depends on what causes it. You could have, I could have 10 people coming in to see me, nine of them with buzzing ears. So I check and one could be because of impacted wax, one could be perforated eardrum, mm. one person could have a normal hearing but has hypertension. So there's a lot of causes to why the Even hypertension can cause uh, some hearing issues, huh? Yeah. Oh. And we don't know whether it is caused by the medication or the condition itself. Oh, so and most of the people who has hypertension usually have buzzing in the ears on one side. One side. Only yeah. one side, the tinnitus. That's very, very common. What, why is that? We don't know. We oh. don't know why is it like that, but that, that's how the pattern is. Oh. Yeah. That's interesting. So in the, you said impacted wax can, can cause that as well, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I, we were talking before, and so I told you I have to be careful though because I use my Q-tips like on a daily basis to clean my ears. And I know that's bad. It is bad because earwax is designed to protect our ear canal. Yeah. You know, you've got wax and polish your car because you want to protect your car, and that's the reason why we have got earwax. Yeah, but but earwax isn't actually wax, right? It's sebum with uh, with skin uh, skin cell excretions. It's a combination yeah. of all that yeah. oil. So you do have some people with flaky earwax yeah. and. Um, waxy, wet, wet yeah. oily. So I have a combination wet. of both. Yeah, it's a combination of both, and it's not wrong. And some people say, "Oh, is it wrong? How do I, how do I change my earwax to be flaky, or how <laughs> do I change it to be more oily?" Well, so it's fine. On the inside of my ears, it's very oily and wet, and then on the outside of my ears, it's very flaky. Flaky, yeah. So it's a combination. So it's nothing is wrong, nothing is right. Yeah. Uh, it's like our hair. Some people have curly hair, and some people have straight hair. <laughs> now, like you see, like I'll be wearing the headphones all day, right? And by the end of the day my ears will feel like really wet and waxy on the inside. Yeah, from, that's from sweat. Yeah, it's a sweat. My ears are sweating from the headphones. Yeah. Now, I, I, he talked about impacted wax, so I have to ask, you know, what are some of the craziest things you've ever pulled out of an ear? Because we've all seen those YouTube videos where the doctor's going in there with the camera, and next thing you know, there's like a colony of little people living inside someone's ear. Yeah. I'm used to seeing earwax. I've been looking at earwax for the past 10 years. So yeah. other people, when I put a video otoscopy, right, so I would show 
patients how their ear look like. So I'm used to looking at this. And when I put a video in it, they go like, oh my gosh, that's a lot of wax. And I'm like, no, that's just... No, but other than wax, I mean, have you ever found anything like uh, like a toy or... I've never seen a toy. I've seen spider, a small one. I've also seen... Uh, fungus. Yeah, fungus, fungus is very common. Fungus is very, like little very mushrooms common. in there? Very micro, green little mushroom. Uh, sometimes it stings, sometimes it doesn't. So how do you, how do you fix fungus in the air? Uh, drops, eardrops. Okay. Yeah, so we don't take it out. We just give them eardrops and then oh. just kills off the fungus. the fungus. How long does that take? Couple of days. Couple of days. Mm. And then they have all this dead fungus falling out afterwards. Yeah, because how our ear canal grows, it, it grows from the inside to the outside. It's mm-hmm. like your conveyor belt yeah. at the airport. So it pushes it out eventually. So it's self-cleaning, right? It is self-cleaning. So that's why we don't need our Q-tips. Yeah, I love my Q-tips. <laughs> so if I never use my Q-tips, I would just constantly have stuff falling out of my ears, right? Yeah, yeah, actually. When you shower, it doesn't pop out like in a in a... In a in a big chunk, it doesn't. Oh, so I don't get like little chunks falling no, out. No, it of oozes. It. So yeah. every time you shower, it comes out a little bit. Now, what if someone had, what if someone had like impacted airwax, but then stopped using Q-tips altogether? Would your air eventually push that out? It will be very difficult because an impacted earwax is like cement. Okay. It's like cemented. So you've got to go to a pharmacy or whoever doctor that can take out earwax yeah. they would prescribe you with things like wax salt to soften the earwax okay, and, and then you would drop. have to yeah, a drop to soften it so it's either they syringe it out yeah. or they vacuum it out I've seen that on videos too where they, 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 um, they inject like water into the ear right and with like a not inject that's it's probably a horrible word for it, but they like they force water into the air through like one of those aerating syringes. Yeah. And then like stuff just starts like flowing out Falling of the out. air. Yeah, that's right. Do you do that at your clinic? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't <laughs> because I'm not qualified to do that. Okay. Um, yeah, but that's how it works. You know how your uh, what they call the spray jet for the car, and yeah. then you remove mud. That's how it works. So exactly the, the same it's thing. It's like power washing the inside of your ears. Right. Yeah, but it. The person who does it has to be skilled because you can't simply shoot water onto the drum because if it happens, you can induce dizziness Uh. on the stagmas, beating of the eyes. So it's not a pleasant sensation if a person is not skilled. Ah. Yeah. So I remember one time I went to, I went swimming and uh, I used to swim every day. And, but something happened where I got a, I must have got some water in my ear or something. I could hear it. And I ended up having to go to the hospital to, to have it checked. And they use like a vacuum machine to like get it out. Take it out. Yeah. Is, is, that, is that a common thing? What causes that? It, it, yeah, it's common um, to, to have it. Uh, because when you swim, it becomes wet and then it, it goes in. And then sometimes it washes the ear wax out. So that's when the, if it's a huge chunk, that's when they have to vacuum it out. Ah. Because if you're going to use your Q-tip, it's going to push it in again. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I, I could hear like water. It sounded like I had water in one ear, mm. like it was swashing around. Yeah. And so they hooked up this little vacuum thing. I think they put alcohol in my ear or something like that first. Mm-hmm. And it was like, and then suck it out. Yeah, it was weird. It didn't feel like suction. But what's going on? Because it happens very close to your eardrum. Yeah. So 
sound is amplified. Yeah, it sounded like really it's yeah. like, like like man, it sounds like a piece of industrial equipment. Yeah. But it's just a little tube. Yeah. Have you had an ant going into your ear? No, not that no. Oh my, it sounds like a giant massive thing mm. walking inside your ear canal. Really? And it's just an ant. I, I have <laughs> had like flies come near my ear and you can hear it sounds like a, a jet's taking yeah. off. And can you imagine it inside your ear canal, no, no, near yeah. your eardrum? It's even going to be louder. Now, you get an ant in your ear, how do you get it out? Uh, that happened when I was very little. I was, I think, seven or eight. Yeah. I would usually go to my mom for any problem in the world. Yeah. But this time, I woke my dad up. Okay, because he was an audiologist as right. well. So, <laughs> so like, he had this to... This is his expertise. <laughs> right, because mommy does not know anything <laughs> about this. So he had... He stringed water in yeah. into my ear and put it out. So it came out. Ah. Yeah. Now, have you ever seen any clients with uh, similar things? Yeah, yeah, I have seen. And you just do the same thing? You flush I, it out? Yeah, I do. I do the same thing. Or sometimes I we refer them to a, a doctor that can syringe yeah. it out. Yeah. Now, what what are some of the most common issues you see airwise? Like, what are the most common dis- disorders or issues that you see, and are they kind of unique to Saba? Middle ear problem is one of the very common problem that we see. What what's that? Middle ear problem, meaning whatever that happens behind the eardrum, accumulation of fluid. Okay. When I was in Australia, it's very common with kids in the winter time. Mm-hmm. But here you don't see much of that. But Because of the lack of winter? Because of the lack of cold. So yeah. you don't get cold here. You only get rain and sunshine. <laughs> That's it you get, you get here. But with people who does not have any access to antibiotics, mm. their flu just becomes bad and, and the middle, middle ear starts to accumulate fluid. And if that's not rectified, it can develop into an ear problem. So a lot of kampung people or people from the, the interior, the village area, who do not have any access to medicine would usually have a middle ear problem. So you'd, you'd see perforation of eardrum. The eardrum usually does not look very nice. Mm. Yeah, That's interesting. Yeah. Now, with, from your business perspective... You know, what are some of the advances that you kind of have to keep an eye on? Because, you know, technology is always changing. I know a lot of people probably don't think of hearing aids or or air doctors as having to deal with technology, but it is engineering, it is, you know, science, it's tech there. And so it should be advancing rather rapidly, right? Yes. So do you have to constantly keep up on on what what the next thing is or or what's going to be big? Yep, yep. Every year we are invited for product launching. Mm -hmm. So every year there would be something that is being launched. So for example, five years ago, a kind of um, technology which is new and only is available in the high end Mm. is now available in the very basic hearing aid. Okay, so So the technology has moved down. And we have to keep keep up with the advancement of technology and there are a lot of brands out there and I only carry two brands. And every year I've got to undo my memory of the older brands so that not older brands, older models, models yeah. and replace it. And it changes in prices and things like that. I used to memorize, but mm. now I have got to refer to my price list. So with two brands, how many different models across those brands? I would say one brand 
10 models okay. and every model has another three or four sub-models. So oh, we're wow. talking about 30 to 40 kinds for every brand. So we're talking about remembering 80 to 100 yeah, different pieces. features and prizes. How, how do you match that, the best one to the client? It depends on the degree of hearing loss mm. and what they need. And thirdly is their budget. So that that are the three things that I look into to decide what kind of hearing aid I want to prescribe. Okay. Yeah. Now with budget, right? So obviously as a retail place you want to make money. Yeah. And so do you actually do you have better margins on the more expensive ones or is are the it's margins the smaller? Same. Oh, so it's, it's the, the same, same margin on everything. Right. So even if I if I were to sell the most expensive hearing aid or the cheaper hearing aid, mm. the margin is the same. Okay. Yeah. Obviously it's more, but it's the same percentage. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Okay. So it's fairly even. So, I mean, obviously you want to make more, but if it's the same margin, so you, do you have good margins on, on markup? Are you able to like at least, you know, make, make decent amount of money with each unit? Yeah. Yeah. Can. Okay. It's, it's quite a, that's the reason why there's a lot of hearing aid companies uh, out well, because there. Because the margins are good. Because or, the margin is good. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah, it must be good for the for the store, for the wholesaler, right? Yeah, and because Malaysia uh, and a lot of other countries in Southeast Asia does not have any regulation on who can run a hearing aid company, everybody who has money can run a hearing aid uh, company. So if I had the cash, I could go open up a shop? You can, you can. De- Dana um, Hearing Aid Center. I would try to I would try to like rip off your brand. I would call it not a failures hearing specialist. <laughs> yes, you can if you've got the money. <laughs> yeah. I sell a different brand. If you look at me, what's a failure? She's off today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So as you look at those advances, I mean, does it change your business model at all? Change of business model? Not like really. do you do you see any technology coming down the road that's gonna like either like completely change what you do or change the way that you prescribe these hearing aids? I would think that everything online now, you know, technology is destructive, right? So we have Uber, we've got Airbnb, and there are some companies who actually has already started online prescription of hearing aids. So how do they how do they diagnose the the hearing loss? So you would go online and you'll be presented with tones mm. if you can hear or you can't hear. So they it's not accurate, but it sort of gives you uh, some idea of a person's degree of hearing loss, mm-hmm. and they would program that hearing aid and post it to a person. Okay. And if a person likes it, they would they would keep it, mm. pay it and keep it. If they don't like it, they will just post it back to that company. Oh. So this is some of the things that the audiology field is not very happy about because we, you know, we studied so hard and we expect you to come in and we can give you consultation. But with the online availability of, you know, it's so easy to prescribe hearing aids online. Yeah. Yeah, so it that's something that's quite worrying for all of us. Mm, yeah, and so how do you contend with that? They, so far, we are still able to, you know, one-to-one, face-to-face communication is still better than everything online, right? So I think that's how we we stay on top. Well, I mean, 
Yeah, yes and no. I mean, you have to you now have to compete with the convenience of being able to order something online. Right. And if if a company can sell your same brand that the person knows, yeah. Then then what why is it different for them like if they've already used the hearing aid, they just need to update their prescription or whatever. You know, it it does make a very viable issue. Like do you go for the convenience or do I go see Ophelia? That's the thing about I was talking earlier, like mm. how I am an audiologist and the other places are hearing aid companies yeah. and they are not able to do all those diagnostics. Mm-hmm. So when you're doing things online, so you're just basically buying off things online without getting any diagnostic. Yeah. So you don't know whether you've got a tumor or a perforated hearing aid that needs to be rectified medically. Mm. So that's how... It's a little bit dangerous to be getting things offline. I mean, online, and just thinking that the solution is hearing aids. Mm. Yeah. So, do you think there's any of your customer base that actually benefit from the online? Though, is there someone who is there an ideal customer for that online model? I have met a couple of people who went and went on to buy hearing aids online. Mm. And they still come back to me because the whatever that you buy online, you can't fine-tune. So you still need to come back to a hearing aid center to fine-tune the hearing aid. What do you mean fine-tune? Like uh, sometimes when you have a fluctuating hearing loss, you've got to come back, do a hearing test, feed the hearing aid with the new prescription. Okay, so... So that's what you and you were saying before you can program the hearing aid. Right. So so what what kind of changes do you make from like the fine tuning, the programming? It depends on what the what the person says. If the person says, I work in the kitchen and all the utensils make a lot of clinging noises. Mm-hmm. So I'd cut off the higher frequency to make it smoother. Okay. So that's how you fine-tune according to the program can feed the hearing aids with it's prescription, but mm. it's the human that needs to fine-tune or make things a little bit better for the users. Okay, so you're just kind of like making some small changes, adjusting frequencies. Right. You have a patient come in and say, I just got this hearing aid yesterday, and I went out to dinner and had a few glasses of wine, and I start to hear voices. Yeah. How, that's how do you fine-tune <laughs> that? <laughs> yes, I have patients like that. And they say, oh, I can hear and I can see things on the ceiling and things like that. That's when I say, oh, I think I've got to refer you to the psychiatry. Yeah. Yeah, that, you said that's your undergrad. So you have, you have, you're like, I have to refer you to someone else who has something different to give you. <laughs> yeah. So, Ophelia, where do you see, you know, in the next 10 years, where do you see your business with online kind of creeping in? And making it, you know, essentially a little bit more convenient for some people. Mm. And, but they lack that, that fine-tuning space, technology advancing so quick. And one of the things we talked about before was that, you know, batteries haven't changed, right? So you still, you can get a small hearing aid, but it still needs the same battery. Right. You know, a lot of things moving in the space, right? And for an online company, essentially they're not paying rent for retail front space, they can see unlimited customers per hour because, you know, they're just going on a website. Whereas you, there's only one Ophelia, right? Correct, I know. Yeah. I know you said you have an assistant. I but, have an assistant, yeah, but, but that's only, that's one, only one Ophelia center. Yes. that's right. And so, how does your business change and adapt over the next decade? I guess we've got to, if online, I mean, online is not going to take over. 
I don't think. I'm on... sure bookstores said that 10 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Then I would have to, you know, you know, they say don't put all your eggs in one basket. Yeah. So we, we have to diversify. Mm. We have to follow the trend. I don't know what's going to happen in 10 years. I can't say I'm going to do X yeah, in yeah. seven years. If online is going to take over mm. in 10 years, I've got to look for a way to still stay relevant. Mm. So I, I don't know what's going to be hip and happening in the next years. Yeah, you just have to kind of go with the punches, see how it goes. Yeah, see how it goes. And if I need to adapt to it, I will have to adapt to it to stay relevant. Otherwise, I will just be a rich housewife. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that, right? <laughs> All right, well, Ophelia, I want to thank you for coming in, taking the time to talk to us today. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. Uh, <laughs> thank you for having me. Yeah. Can you can you let the listeners know where they can find out more about you, about Ophelia Hearing Specialist, and where your shop is here in KK for any of our KK listeners? Yeah, if you're in Kota Kinabalu, we are located in Jalan Lintas. It's in Heritage Plaza, just next to the Clinic Kesihatan Luyang. Or you can visit our Facebook page, Ophelia, O-P-H-E-L-I-A, Ophelia Hearing Specialists. We're on Facebook, so just like us, and you can send us a message. Awesome. If you guys hear anything tromping around inside your ear, it's probably an ant. Go see Ophelia. She'll flush it out. Until next time, guys, stay on that grind. This is the Southeast Asia Business Podcast with me, Dana Bloom. Oh, yeah. Flip the airplane mode. If you can't reach me, I apologize I didn't ignore you, I was in disguise In disguise, man, you know I got a big surprise Ask me why, cause I'm trying to build an enterprise